Now Evil to the right hand, puts her down, he's gonna dump him hard to the ice. Brady Leopold just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Lazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Liebold, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. What's going on, everybody? Welcome. Hockey to Hell and Back, episode number 93. I'm Brady Liebold, coming at you guys live from beautiful Muskoka, Ontario. As many of you know, this is not my hometown, but I feel very privileged, very grateful to be living uh, in such a beautiful area out here in Ontario. Quickly shout out to all my family and friends out there in British Columbia. I haven't been out there in five years. I miss you. I love you. I better stop talking before I start to cry. Um, if you're watching right now, please press that like button. Press that subscribe button. If you're watching on Facebook, please do me a favor. Go over to YouTube. Trying to grow the YouTube channel would be greatly appreciative of it. Uh, if you don't want to share it, don't. But that's what we do here. We rely heavily on you. And uh, thank you to anyone. If you've been listening from day one, if this is your first time here, welcome. Thank you. We have a very exciting episode. I think we're all going to get a, a, 
not a little bit, a lot educated. And maybe he's going to have to work on my English. This guy's uh, this guy's pretty incredible. But before we bring in Dr. Cassidy Preston, I, I have a couple things that I need to address. And uh, one of them is a tough one. Um, got some pretty sad news uh, early this morning. Um, lost a dear friend. Um, Taylor and I, our uh, family, lost a dear friend, Donna Reed. Uh, many of you may have uh, heard me talking about her. She was an avid watcher of the show and um, battled with cancer for six plus years, pancreatic cancer. And uh, she was an absolute warrior. Uh, she was not supposed to live as long as she did. And uh, she fought hard. Boy, did she fought hard, fight hard. But she was too young. She was in her 40s. And, um, you know, we're going to dearly, dearly miss Donna. Um, just uh, terribly heartbreaking news this morning. Um, thinking about Donna's family and uh, just sending all of our love. And I know uh, my my girlfriend Taylor uh, is having a really hard time. Her family's having a really hard time. So everyone that's uh, grieving, having a hard time, um, I'm thinking about you. And um, Donna, we're going to miss you tremendously. But we hold on to the memories. Certainly, I do. Um, she actually gave me a pair of uh, a good luck socks, hockey socks, for me to wear. Um, when I rollerblade across Canada and I'll talk about that later at the show, because you guys know a lot of you that we were planning that, but I'm not going to get into that right now. And um, just dearly going to miss Donna. And uh, my heart is, is broken. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to uh, one sponsor team issued, and uh, we will be back with Dr. Cassidy Preston. Hi there, it's Regan Bartell, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leovold's biggest fan. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Teamissued.ca, promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. Thank you to Regan Bartel. Every time I hear his voice, I still get chills. I was uh, I was watching actually an old game uh, not too long ago, and uh, the hairs on my arms were standing up just listening to the call. And um, I'm going to get into uh, being able to see my first NHL game in in 12, 13 years too. Shout out to my guy Taylor Sykes for taking us down. We'll get to that at the end of the show. Also, have a new sponsor on the show, uh, Sober Buddy. It's an app. So if you're in recovery like myself. And, uh, you know, you struggle on a daily basis like I do, even though I'm two years clean. This Sober Buddy app is is incredible. I just started to use it. Uh, shout out to my guys at Sober Motivation as well. Brad, for uh, for everything he's done for me personally and for the show and, and more importantly for the, the recovery community. What they're doing is incredible. Uh, I'm going to do the official read at the end of the show, but I wanted to plug them in the last plug. Thank you to Coach Cal. Get the W. Let's go. I'll get the W. <laughs> Coach Cal, look at this. Look at this. Look at that little added touch. We got his signature. If you don't know who Coach Cal is, I have no idea where you've been because he's been everywhere on Ellen in hockey dressing rooms. Incredible young man. And I have a feeling, though, that he's going to turn into a player because I've seen him on Instagram. And boy, is he a good player. Anyways, without further ado, let's get right into the show. This guy's a former OHL player, has gone on to do things, in my opinion, way bigger than hockey. Uh, he's going to have more of an impact than if he became the most prominent NHL superstar because he's connecting with not only young hockey players, young athletes, professional athletes. He's 
I don't know how he did it. We're going to, we're going to get into just how much of a grind that school was. He was playing in the uh, CIS now U sports as well at the time. But uh, this is a guy he's the same age as me. He's the same age as me. Uh, and when I look at his, his accolades, his, his dedication to, to knowledge and, and just a passion to make the game better, to make sport better. That's what caught my attention and shout out to Dan Spence uh, for my good, good friend, Dan Spence for, for putting me on to Dr. Cassidy Preston. So, originally from North Bay, Ontario, a place that's very near and dear to my heart. That's where I skated for the first time on ice with kids after 10 years. Here he is, the man, Dr. Cassidy Preston. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, that's that's, that's uh, one heck of an intro. So I, I really appreciate being on here, Brady. It's a pleasure to, to join the show and, and get to chat with you today. Yeah, likewise. And, uh, you know, I feel um, personally, I feel really good about it, but I, I really feel good for people uh, watching or if you're listening after the fact uh, on audio, um, you know, it, it brings a different side because, uh, you know, you're, you're, you have a PhD. Uh, tell us a little bit more about um, before we get into your hockey, but let us know where you're at with your with your schooling. Um, you have you got a BA, a master's and then the PhD. So tell us a little bit about that and what your qualifications are. Yeah, so those, those 12 years of university is what that added up to. So <laughs> like, so I, I chipped away there for, for quite a while. And I was playing at, uh, at York and then U of T where I did my master's uh, and then did four years for my PhD. And it was, uh, um, it, it kind of came out of like wanting to get into this field and not knowing what I wanted to do when I was done playing. And so I was like, well, I'll just keep going to school. And it's actually, it's becoming probably a, bit easier now but it's generally in hard in Canada if you want to be a full-time mindset mental performance consultant work with athletes and um on their mindset the mental game making that shift it's not easy to get into that so I was like well I guess I'll just stay in school for a little longer might as well get more educated um do that and um and then as I was doing that I was kind of building up my connections and getting ready to to really tackle it uh, once I finished so I finished that about uh four years um now it goes in 2018 um was my first year January. I was like, all right, I'm done school. Let's get after it now. And I started the business and became my main thing pretty soon. And then it's built up a lot of momentum. So now we're just kind of continue to grow, um, continue to try to have an impact, shift the culture, as you said, because it's um, like your experiences, my experiences, like there was a lot of challenges and a lot of the way the cultures run and you know, where we think about our mindset is very flawed and really gets a lot of kids into their own head and they struggle and let alone all the other negative consequences of, of what's going on. So that's um, kind of the, the short story of it. But yeah, there's lots we can dive into today. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. We'll dive right into that. Uh, consistent elite performance is your business. Um, you guys, I, I've gone through the website. There's a lot of, we'll, we'll plug the, uh, the website for people to check it out too, because there's a lot of uh, free information on there as well. Um, people can, can get access to and get educated on. And, um, you know, I, I really... You know, I, I think of my own personal experience, you know, with a sports psychologist who was an incredible guy named Max Offenberger, Dean Chanel, now assistant coach from uh, for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, he brought him into Swift Current. And, you know, I was really struggling my 17 year old year. Max was a great guy. You know, he got some stuff out of me and, and we worked on some stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, he, I, I couldn't I could at the time anyways, I couldn't relate so much to him. So when I look at a guy like you, okay, who's been there, who's been there, experienced it, and now has taken, you know, pretty much your schooling to, to the, the furthest level. And now you have the lived experience and the knowledge. I look at a guy like you and I'm like, wow, 
this this has a, a huge capacity uh, to to make major breakthroughs. So um, thank you for for stepping into that role. There's uh, I'm not familiar with too many other guys that uh, or women uh, that have you know played the sport at at a, an elite level and, and taken it um, their experience and taking it to school to try to get better and to make the culture of hockey better. So just thank you. Um, walk us through a little bit about your your childhood and uh, maybe where the love of the game came from and what hockey did for you, um, maybe positively and, and maybe potentially negatively as well. Yeah, for sure. So like you said, grew up in North Bay, Ontario. Um, yeah, there's, there's a good shot of me. Um, you know, pretty early on, I was just a really competitive kid. I just wanted to work hard. Um, you know, was generally pretty good growing up. Eventually got fortunate enough to get drafted, play in the OHL. Um, you know, been my first year junior, uh, actually in North Bay and in Pembroke. And then, uh, so I did about, you know, five years of junior. And after that, played a little bit of pro, went to um, uh, Muskegon in Michigan. And then I was like, okay, let's, let's go to school, finish my schooling at York and U of T. So that was like the, the, like, you know, five or 10 years really of like really competitive hockey from junior and, and Canadian university. And then after that, I was like, Hey, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to school. Like I'm not going to go play pro. Cause I was always thinking maybe I'd do that uh, after I was done school. But you know, when I was young, like I was generally like just so competitive and like hockey is like, you know, like I was a um, often a, a tougher player, not a fighter by any means. <laughs> so, um, but I was, you know, I was, a, I'm big, I'm a fairly big guy, six, two, 200 or whatever so like I could um, be an agitator and I just love the competitiveness of the game and and in northern Ontario um, that was a big part of it and I remember you know my funniest thing is like in minor midget like I was like I was told to put over 100 penalty minutes I was like you got you got to just not for fighting but just like get out there and I was like hooking and that was before the rule change right when you could hook and just slash guys and there's no calls so like I was like and it was just like that the really that old school like you're out to like hurt people and like I never really got into that whole mindset but um you know that it was just kind of the way I was brought up in the the northern culture and that like we were tough you know I wasn't inherently a farm boy by any means but like you know my dad was and um when he was growing up and so my grandfather and just you know being in North Bay was a, a big part of it so I really enjoyed that and and kind of, um and so that that's what led me in but then I really started to struggle as soon as especially as I made the jump to junior uh, the funny story, like I got a hat trick my first game as an underager uh, in preseason in junior A. And like, I was coming out flying. I'm like, I'm sick. <laughs> like, I got drafted in the fourth round. I'm like, look at me. I'm lighting up junior A. And then it didn't go so well. Then I started to struggle. I started to get tense. I'd get, you know, we we're on a good team. Uh, I broke my jaw. And so I broke my jaw my underage year. So then I was out. And then when I was coming back, the team was even better. So the fortunately, the owner uh, traded me to Pembroke where I would play more. So I went to the, went there, did okay. And I was like, Oh, well now I'm going to jump and go play in the O next year after doing an okay season at best <laughs> in junior. A, I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm ready to go. So then I go into play in the OHL and I work really hard and like, you know, I'm fit, I'm fast, but like my skills, my confidence, my mindset, not really ready. Mm. And I started my, um, you know, second year, junior, my 17 year old year, which was my NHL draft year on like the starting lineup in the first game of the regular season. But by 10, 12 games in, I was now in and out of the lineup, had no points. Coach is going to be like, it's going to be hard to play you. Uh, I barely played the rest of the year. Uh, I would get, you know, healthy scratch. I got healthy scratch half the games mm -hmm. uh, in total that year. And playoffs didn't play at all. 
I had one game where we drove from Toronto, Ottawa, didn't even get a shift. I got to play. I'm like waiting for my first, I didn't even get a shift. And, you know, so really big low point thought about quitting uh, mental game was like, you know, uh, was, was, it was just, it was just hard. And, and I'd work and been focused on sports psychology already by that point, but it's like, it's different when, you know, it's personalizing, like you said, to knowing hockey, particularly in team sports and, and a lot of sports psychology and it's evolving. And I learned a ton of stuff that really helped me back then at least get through that. But uh, a lot of it's like cookie cutter, mm. do some goal settings. What the, like, <laughs> that's not helping me with my tense and worrying about scoring. <laughs> like how can I have some systems and strategies and concepts that help me detach from that and just be in the moment and get back to playing the game because I enjoy it. And one of the big things, I'm sure you've experienced it, um, and what, what I was experienced as I was climbing the ranks is the why I played became about the NHL, the results, the achievement. And I forgot about the joy and the love of the game and just playing and being free. And so a lot of the strategies we use is getting them back into that. And creating the identity, the the tools, the reset, reflection, imagery, and attention, mental prep, so that they can get into that mindset, which is where you actually play your best. You're more likely to climb the ranks. So, um, so that that was the kind of like a big pivotal year. And then I was able to bounce back, you know, continue my career. And uh, and there were still lots of struggles and learning along the way and inconsistencies that I'm sure I'll share today. But that's uh, you know, the short of the the hockey career and the experience where I fell in love. You know, grew, got a lot out of the game, like learned a lot of great life skills, yeah. but also learned some the long and hard way. Uh, one of the other interesting things out of it, which I do a lot now of work, um, is like coaches. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of bad coaches. I had some good coaches. Yes. Sure. Oh man, it's it's so, yes. it's so bad, and 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 there's still so many coaches that um, don't get it. And a lot of them, and I coach. So one of the things I did even while I was playing, I was starting to get into coaching. And then literally after I finished playing, finished my master's and started my PhD. So went straight in, became a head coach of minor hockey team, AAA. And I was like, I'm going to coach differently. Yeah. I'm going to coach intrinsic motives, athlete centered or person centered, yes. transformational coaching. Like, and I was in the, I'd already done my master's, which was on coaching and sports psychology. So like, I got the stuff, like I knew the concepts, but by golly, is that hard to actually apply? Like coaching mm. is difficult when you're there and you're expected to win and results, especially depending on the environment and the environment I was in, in the, around the GTHL, I wasn't in the G we're just outside, but it is super like it, there, there are many, there's many pros yeah. like when they're 12 and 10 and it's like they're treated and there's, expe- there's so much drive around results. And so um, it was difficult to coach and I coach, I was a head coach for six years while I was doing my PhD and, and for a year after, Maybe it was five then, six, I think. But anyways, but the, <laughs> I'm losing track of time now. But um, um, it's difficult. And so one of my, a lot of my researchers actually studying myself, studying minor hockey and uh, and coaching and let alone at the high levels as well. But um, it's that's that's a big thing. Like, I don't know what the exact number is, but like 80% of the athletes I work with will talk about dealing with, you know, poor coaches and their negative coach behaviors, not, not great communication. So yeah. It's, you know, we've got the podcasts now and we're doing some stuff and I'm, I'm trying to work to better help and inform coaches because most coaches mean well, but then they get caught up in old school ways of thinking and stuff. So, um, so yeah, that's, uh, 
Anyway, I, I, I'll just keep talking if you let me. So the <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm uh, I'm just your your podcast for people watching, listening. Is this is I know it's on YouTube. I know you do a lot on YouTube. Is there audio available as well? It's yeah. So I, and we have actually two. So the Beyond the X's and O's podcast is actually not on YouTube yet. Just the way we've been doing it. It's um it's on Apple and and Spotify and stuff. And um and the coaches site sponsors that one. That's the one we've been doing a lot. And so we were in just about to wrap up season 10 and it's called like the declaration of war against the old school coaching mentality is what uh-huh. we've done. Just like, just pinning it. Like what side are you on? We either changing the culture and working together to have coaching the right way effective. Um, or you can get caught up and you're thinking it's like the old schooling. Well, this is the way I was coached because yell at them if they're not working. Like, what? Yeah. like <laughs> you know, make it all about results. Have to need to should absolutes like, you know, not treating them like people and, um, you know, making things, oh, this is must win. It's make or break. Like, like it's just sport guys, relax. <laughs> We're putting unhealthy pressure and expectations. And it doesn't mean not to have high standards. It doesn't mean not to push people. It doesn't mean you can't create structure, but there's, it's finding that balance. And, and it's, it's been shifting. Like the, the Olympic example was a great one where, the, the Russian athlete, she got reamed out by, and everyone's roasting the coach. You can't do that. But it's like, but it's still happening. <laughs> it's like, there's like, what are the consequences? What is the environment we're creating for coaches? Are, what's the education for coaches and the accountability? Because they are huge stakeholders and impacting um, the athlete's experience. And so a lot of my main business is helping the athletes deal with, <laughs> with the coaches, but it's like, it's actually have a better impact on the cultures. I I'm trying to do more to address it, but it's hard to make a living um, doing that as well. So I'm trying, I'm tackling it from both sides in a way, but um, it's yeah. So that, that, that becomes a big part of, you know, looking back at my experience and what then, and, and it ties in there, you know, there's the athlete's mind and then the coach's impact on that and the coach's mind and their ability to create the environment. So um, uh, you know, I work in both and that, cause I, my experience in both was a struggle at times. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'll, I'll stop. That's, that was a long way yeah. <laughs> my career, but there's a lot we can dive into. Thank yeah. you, Cass. That was incredible, man. Incredible. Yeah. I got, I got like notes galore from just <laughs> talking here, full disclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot that I want to unpack and you kind of took it. And uh, there's a story that I want to share with you later that I, that, that was brought to my attention. I shared it on my Instagram and I want people to hear, and I'm curious as to, you know, where we're at with that, but I'm going to, I'll bring that in, uh, in a little bit here. Um, I want to go back to your own personal experience quickly uh, and what it was like for you, um, you know, sitting on the bench, not playing one shift in a game, getting healthy, scratched. And, and I, I want to ask if you ever got the warm up treatment where you got to dress for warm up and then got told you're not playing, even though you know that they know you're not playing, but they make you go to warm up and then take your gear off. Did that ever happen to you? No, that is like, fortunately, that didn't happen to me, but um I probably almost. almost would have rathered that because I just didn't play so much that one year. But like it was, we would get it at the end of a bus trip. One of the, the fun, like, so we'd be on the bus for like four hours or two. And it's like, you're just sitting there and be like, am I going to play today? <laughs> and so it's like, and then he would tell you as I was getting off the bus. So I'm like, I would try not to look at him. Hope <laughs> we like, hope he doesn't notice us. And if we get off the bus with what I'm telling, I guess that means we're in the lineup. So um, it's just like, or when we show up to the rink, like you went told the day of or the day before. It's like when you got to the rink, is your jersey hung or not? So it's like yeah. that feeling of walking in, like, oh. Um, but and I've heard of athletes, even like this year, that have been put in the warm-up, 
then told they were out, they got undressed, and then that guy got put back in the game. And then he played terrible, and then the coach reamed them out. I was like, what? It's, wow. like that. it's wow. 2022 and that's happening. Wow. So let alone like 15, 20 years ago when I was in junior, the stuff that happened. But it's um, – and there's still poor communication. Guys getting – I got clients all the time. Get scratched, no explanation. Yeah. No reason why. So like, yeah. Yeah, be better. It's like – um like just tell them hey you're playing well but it's a numbers game like it's like talk to them like treat them like people like these are teenagers like in junior hockey like and they're treating them like they're pros and like even then on the pro level if you want to have cultivate a healthy environment the top pro teams and the best coaches i guarantee they're talking to the guys that are out you gotta they're part of the culture um and uh and like, what kind of culture do you want on your team? So it's just, it makes so much common sense to do it this way, but it's how it's always been done. Or it's the old school. It's like, well, that's how my coach did it. And it's like, well, I'm just, my job's here is to win and focus on results. And I don't want to get caught up in that. So, um, so yeah, no, that, that unfortunately didn't happen to me, but I got, you know, the one with like literally zero shift game. That was might as well not address. Like, it's like I was yeah. sitting there. So yeah, and and it you know, and that doesn't make somebody feel very good, right? Because your your peers, your teammates, they know that you're not playing. You walk into a dressing room in your suit, you think you're playing, and the whole team is there, and yeah. your jersey is the only one not hanging there, and yeah. you're there, and now you're faced to be like, well, I guess I'm 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 crap. I guess I'm not as yeah. good as you guys. And then like, yeah. where does that lead people? And and it would be you know, listen, it's still gonna maybe hurt if you're not in the lineup. But yeah. what about the day before the, the morning skate to say, hey, man, you're not going tonight, you know, yeah. be at the rink for for six or whatever, like an hour. Yeah. Come just, you know, help do stats or whatever. We'll, we'll get back to work tomorrow. I'll do extra work with you in practice, whatever we got to do. What explain to them, like you said, it's going to give them way better outcomes for for everybody, because it yeah. also it's not just that player. Uh, cast that, yeah. that that feels it. It's the other players in that room, too, because I used to feel so bad. Oh, yeah. And I would see this stuff happen and it would affect it would affect me. It was affecting them. And I'm I'm like, wow, I feel like a piece of crap because I'm playing and, and this yeah. guy not playing. Like, what's he feeling like? And I'm trying yeah. to get ready to go out there and perform. Yeah. And I was already having a hard enough time with yeah. my own mindset. As a lot of people know, I was a, I was a head case. That's what yeah. that's what yeah. they called me on my stick. <laughs> that used to say head case like, yeah. so, <laughs> Jeez, no. uh, you know, like, yeah, it, yeah. It, there's a big shift, I think, that's happening. But. Man, to hear some of the stories um, that I've been hearing, Cass, I'll, I'll quickly jump into the story. I'll try to fast forward and, and just hit the key points. But I was uh, got a phone call from a lady uh, who who I've been talking to, and um, anyways, she's got a got a girlfriend that her son, uh, you know, is has played midget or played minor hockey in this association since he was five. Um, he's now you know seventeen, eighteen, like last year of midget playing midget double A. And he showed up to a game high on marijuana and the coach just kicked him off the team. Didn't really say, Hey, or whatever. Shortly thereafter or that night or shortly after he ends up in the psych ward. Okay. So now he's in the psych ward and he gets out and it's the end of the season. Like this is recent. And this is like, like a last week or this week type deal. And, uh, so he gets out of the psych ward and now they're having the ceremony. Like you and I would have never got minor hockey rings because we graduated to junior. But if you play from, you know, till midget, you get a ring, right? Mm-hmm. He wasn't even invited or allowed to go get the ring with the other teammates. And he's left feeling not very good. And I just am curious as to what your stance would be if you had a player 
coming into the dressing room or to the thing smoking weed, do we need to like beat them up for it? Or do we need to ask, how can I help? Because quickly before I let you jump in, I, it reminded me very closely of the Terry Trafford situation in Saginaw, right? Gets kicked off for breaking team rules. You know, whether or not it was just or not, there was not a process that allowed people to come in and support him. He left the rink. He took his own life in a Walmart parking lot. And they didn't find his body for 14 days. Nobody said, hey, do you have an issue? Can I help? It was, you're no good. Get the hell out of here. See you later. They didn't even call his parents, Cass, you know? So these are, these are very, uh, they can be very dangerous situations. And I think it's time for people to really start paying attention to how we treat people, especially if they're in some sort of distress or, you know, or having a hard time. There may be a reason why he showed up, you know, high on weed. Maybe, you know, I, I don't know what the reason is at this point, but how would you react as a coach and as uh, the clinical side of you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So like, you know, the obvious kind of statement there, if they're showing up that way to a game, um, it's like, that's the person that needs the support the most, not to be outcasted and like coaches and teams and sport is like, is meant to help develop, like it can be used to help develop life skills and create purpose and create connection. And coaches are often like, there's can be so impactful in someone's life. And so positively or negatively and it's generally negatively right now like especially at the the higher levels and the older levels and so it's um you know so the way i would encourage and want like it's like hey let you yeah, maybe yeah okay yeah let's you're not playing today and like, <laughs> like there's doing that but like we're gonna have some talks and like let's figure this out because um most people and like so pretty much everyone but let's let's not overly use an absolute most people are inherently good people so nobody wakes up it's like oh, I just want to cause shit today. You know, I just want to do bad things and um, you know, and and ruin my life or other like so it's not really how people wake up. Sometimes they have a grudge and there's things that are going on, but generally people are want to work together and find solutions and grow and are intrinsically and inherently good. And that's just a frame and view on life. And that is uh, often not our frame and yeah. view. And then therefore we don't work with people and we label them. And we just like give up on them and we don't learn to work with others. And that is highly flawed. And especially when you're in a leadership position, like one of the things we're constantly preaching is coaches are leaders first, coaches second. You're a leader that happens to coach hockey. And so be a leader. A leader just doesn't outcast people and, you know, turn a, like, oh, this person, it's a cry for help showing up to a game that way. That like, that's what it is. And um, for somebody that can have such an impact as a coach to turn, like, and cuts them off from their, you know, they're probably one of their more meaningful things in their life, hockey, their friends, like what, like, what do you think is going to happen next? <laughs> like, like, that's like the writings, like we're, we're putting it on the wall. You are making it harder for him instead of, no, we don't want to, um, encourage that behavior and support the behavior. And, you know, but like, Hey, what can we create? Um, can we work with them? Can we understand? Can we give consequences without just, you know, throwing them to the wolves, so to speak. So, um, that, that would be the way I would frame that. And that's so much easier sometimes to say than do, but again, it goes back to why changing the culture and the priority on, you know, for coaching and in sport, it isn't just about the wins and losses and the, 
the old school ways and the the cutthroat like clear lines and, and treating people as numbers instead of you know as as people so um yeah that's that's the way i would um i would look at that because it's it, it, it's really sad like you know that's um examples like terry this ex- like it's like disheartening and like what a wasted opportunity to have you know an impact on someone's life yeah. right and um and you think of like what what's the purpose of sport and what's the purpose of being a coach and a leader it's to have impact and shift the like it's to con- make connection and um like that's the greatest opportunity to do it when i like i had some you know crazy things happen when i coach and um we have one we called ticklegate where <laughs> there was uh uh, two parents like um, were like tickling each other, and then there was like kind of like a fight broke out at like a Christmas party. It's just so stupid, but it was like that was a massive learning opportunity for everybody in the team. It's like this is you know those are um, life lessons that can come out of that on on all kinds of versus like just throw it away or ignore it and don't deal with it or overreact about it. Um, it's unacceptable behavior, but it was and, and it addressed and we were able to move forward. But um, it's stepping up in those moments are, are so important. And I don't think we have enough, uh, enough of that necessarily. So, um, agreed, uh, 100% agreed. Um, just quickly while I'm thinking about it, I, I got to ask you, um, you, you got drafted fourth round 74th overall, by the Toronto St. Michael's majors, um, was was it always the was it always the OHL or did a guy like you consider going the NCAA route because of you know obviously you didn't know right yeah. didn't know but no. was there was that ever uh, or was it the end all be all OHL or bust? Yeah, I um, I think I considered it a little bit, but like part of it I think is from being in North Bay, like it's even farther to travel and being that much farther from home, and um, and I like in my mind which is again, one of my problems. I had a fantasy. Oh, I'll be going to, I'll be in the NHL by the time I'm 19. Like, <laughs> like I'm going to be the next, um, you know, Gretzky or Mario Lemieux or like Eric Lindros. Like, it's like, like, and so many players have that. Oh, I'm going to be the Sid, the kid, the It's like, I, I tell players like, that's the, that's a fantasy. Like, sure. To have that goal and like want to do the accelerated path. But most guys going to pro hockey, take a different, more patient, hardworking path and um stay connected to the love of the game and it's and they're not and they're, they have to be more patient with their career in that sense and it's not to not want to go there as fast as possible but you have to also be careful and my problem was and as i alluded to i i shouldn't have went to the ohl that year like i just like if i was to go back in time from from a career standpoint i don't really regret it but it's from a career standpoint I didn't do that well in junior. How am I expected to go do dominate in the OHL? Like, <laughs> and that was in my mind. I'm going to go dominate and get drafted to the NHL now. I'm just going to work that much harder in these five months. And that's going to drastically alter my career. And it's nothing wrong to think that way, but it's like, you want to, you know, keep um, a healthy expectations. So, but going back into it, I didn't really consider that because I was like, well, I want to like be, you know, not get a scholarship when I'm 18 and then go play. And then like, it's just going to delay my ability to go play in the NHL. So I was like, well, I'm going to the O and it's like, so that was the first problem. And plus them being from North Bay is farther away. So it was like, but I remember, I, I think I got a letter from like UNH. I was like, Oh, this is cool. And like, I was really good at school, obviously. Like I'm not, 
Mm-hmm. What's funny is I'm actually not that good at English. So when you talk about correcting your English, I think <laughs> like I like I my English was, was probably my weakest um, thing. Like I speak and write in a lot of times for a living, but um, you know, my um, anyways, that's, that's not my biggest strength, but I was good at school. Like I, I knew how to get grades and I could study and had good habits around school. So it's like, it would have made a lot of sense. And relatively speaking to my age group, I was probably more of a late bloomer or should have identified more as one. And I didn't. Um, so, mm. um, so I don't really regret, but I, I, I didn't really consider it. And, and then once you're in, it's just too late. So, <laughs> like, is, so, it, um, is this a conversation, Cass? Sorry to cut you off. Is this a conversation yeah. that you have with players? Um, oh, do yeah. they ask you this? And, and what, like, I, I mean, I guess we can't say do one or the other because every situation is different. But generally speaking, yeah. um, just generally speaking, if you, you know, if you had to go back, you'd say you do it. But generally speaking for people, like what, you know, and I don't want to like, I'm a big believer in the CHL, the dub, the O, the Q. I, I love what they yeah. do. Um, and I, I love the league. I love the hockey, but I, I just, I think like I see guys that, that I grew up playing with that went the NCAA route that maybe, you know, had a cup of coffee in the coast or the A or wherever, just like me. And, um, they have something more to fall back on. Like my, my issue with, with it is that I signed with Tampa at a junior. And as soon as I did that, I lost my education money. Mm-hmm. and um you know and things didn't work out for me right they, it just didn't work out for me i blew my knee out got addicted to painkillers next thing you know i'm you know yeah. going down the, the path that i went down um and uh it, it sure is nice to be able to see some of these guys that that went to school and now they're done playing hockey and they're they're successful not necessarily like financially but they're they're doing well success to me is like you know achieving your goals and, and living a healthy good life and and that kind of stuff so you know and then i connect with a lot of guys that played in the the chl um you know and there's other guys in the ncaa route too that struggle but a lot of guys like you went to school you were conscious to say hey i went and tried to play in the ihl you could see the writing on the wall that it was pretty much a a a path to know where you're making next to nothing just like in the coast and even in the american league you don't make very much money most guys are probably you know working summer jobs or, or finding other streams of income to to support themselves for sure and it doesn't you know it doesn't last or it does you do that for 10 years and what do you have when it's all gone and so i just i really think that you know, another big piece that you bring is showing how important education is to these players. Is this something that maybe we should be focusing more on? Yeah. Like I think it's, so one of the things like off the bat, like I, I did, uh, you know, a three, four part thing in my other podcast, this consistently performance podcast. Um, and I brought in Michael Rafferty, um, because, you know, I, I like him and he's an agent and stuff, but he was just like, Hey, when should players, um go make the jump to the next level when should players um and and one of them was ncaa versus ohl and we just you know spent 15 20 minutes giving our best advice on how to navigate that and there is no right or wrong answer and it's like i got a player who was for sure seen prime to go I have a couple who seemed prime to be ncaa guys they got such a good offer from the o it's like it makes just sense. just go like get your and then it, you can decide after whether you want to go um canadian university which generally is a good idea and like and i would really like your example is a great you know tale of like a cautionary tale of like don't jump quick on the pro offer just because it's there like um it doesn't mean not to do it or like make sure you're continuing your education while you do and an education and i'm like it's kind of funny because like 
I did 12 years of university, you know, three degree, whatever. But it's like, I don't like think an undergraduate and master's degree are like the end all be all. Like, you know, like, uh, like who is it? Uh, the Tesla guy. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, like, you know, university degrees are often overrated. Like I kind of believe that in a lot of ways. Like, it's like my undergraduate degree is like, it's worth something and I like it. And it was, but like the skills I got out of it, the main ones were, um, being organized, <laughs> show up for class, like be able to understand things, a little bit of critical thinking and stuff. But like, it's not like, oh, I learned something there that like makes me way better at, you know, an applied job. So it's, it's the process of going through it. So we are like the whole education system in general in North America is, is flawed, yeah. let alone in universities and how expensive it is. And it just creates a lot of debt for people. And there's a lot of other problems going on um, in, in universities, especially in the States more so, but um, or can be, but my, my premise is having more, there's more to your life than hockey. So that is, is a principle that applies. And so whether that is education, other jobs, other interests that matters. And a lot of guys, like I assume this, you've seen it. And when, when I went to the IHL, I saw it, it was like, it was hockey and then partying and like hockey and just like living the life and like, but not having anything else meaningful that you're learning and contributing and being, you know, that, like you said, like how you define success, there's more to it than being a hockey player and, um, and being an educated hockey player being th that doesn't have to be book smarts. Like, um, it's there, there's life skills. It's like, so my, I, I do think, and then again, as we're like shifting the culture of sport, thinking about sport in general, it's, you know, people first athletes second it's, and part of people first is like, there's more to you than one thing. Anybody that wraps their whole persona and identity into one thing is going to like, there's, that's a dangerous thing to do because then as soon as that thing doesn't pan out, what do they got? Like that's, it's, and dangerous. it's very dangerous. And the, so like for me, my identity is highly wrapped up into this, right? But there's some fluidity in it and, be, and being a mental performance coach and stuff, but I have a family. I've got friends, I've got my health, I've got other parts to, to me. And I don't put all like, and if, and when I do spend all my identity into one thing, then um, it stresses me out and all like in that thing, let alone in other areas of my life. And so it's, and then you, we see this daily um, with elite athletes. They're so obsessed with their sport that it, it can become toxic. And so um, to their performance, because then it's like, if I don't play well, I'm a bad person that's not true. <laughs> it's like, I'm a failure as a person. Right. So it's just healthy in general from like, cause like there's always going to be sport or life after sport. So we need to start help prepare them. And one of the unique things were, cause we're talking a lot about junior hockey here. It's that's such a transitional time and such a self-discovery time and life skill development time. And people are maturing and we need to guide and help people mature. And um, and one of the good things about NCAA, I think is what you're alluding to, it gives them more time to mature Yes, as people and humans. And so, but it doesn't mean you can't do that through the OHL. It's That's not right. a knock on the CHL and the OHL, but we just have to be mindful of that. And, and be my, and like Canadian university is getting better. Yes. I'd love to see it continue to be pushed and pushed and put more money into it. So it gets treated like NCAA because there's a lot of great players there. Like, like they go down, there's some good teams that go down, they can beat NCAA teams. So like, what's the difference? Like, um, and so, and, and sometimes players now have this mindset, well, like NCAA is better because I don't want to go to Canadian university. And it's like, no, no, stop knocking Canadian university. It's not a bad path. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why um, 
people are having a hard time deciding. It's like, you know, they're both, they're both good paths. It's then how you take that path is what matters. Because like you said, you can go to the NCAA and you can screw that up too. So like you can screw up anything you do in life. So yeah. it's, it's more about how you do things and exactly what you do. And it's being in the moment. What is the best decision for me versus what's right and wrong? Anytime I help anybody make a decision, that's a high level decision in their life. There is no right or wrong answer inherently. It's which one feels best for you based on the facts and what your values are and where you're going. And then you can always adjust later anyways, in relatively speaking. Hard to adjust once you go HL and go back to NCAA. Like that's, <laughs> by adjust, I mean, that doesn't necessarily apply. But generally in life, um, you can make adjustments and you can adjust in that too. You can ask for a trade or you can do this. So um, that's, a, that's a really good point, Cass, is, uh, you know, I think there's a, a, a way to do it. But if I could go back and I know, I'm not sure how it, how it would have been responded how I would have been responded to back then or how it would have been received and, and all of that, I would have spoke up a little bit more, right? I would have asserted myself a little bit more and said, Hey, what can I do? Like if I'm not on the, like the power play or whatever, usually I was on the power play, I never penalty killed at all, but what <laughs> I should have been focusing on those little things. But, and, and, and instead of waiting for the coach to say, Hey, you're on this or you're on that. There's a, I think there's a way where we can assert ourselves in, in the proper way to say, you know, hey, what can I do? You know, can I, you know, where am I lacking? Like, what can I do? And then we go, it goes back to that open conversation. And, and like, I could just tell you, like, if I was going to the, the rink every day, and, I, and by the way, when I was in junior, pretty much aside from the time I was in Kelowna, and I always have to say no disrespect to the town of Swift Kern or any of my teammates or the coaches or anything. I mean, sure, there's a little bit in there, like there's always stuff going on, but it was nothing directly to do with that, but I wanted, I didn't want to be at the rink. I was looking and going like, I want to get the hell out of here. Like I had so much anxiety, so much fear of failure, uh, that hockey now became toxic for me when in fact it was my medicine for so long. And then all of a sudden it's like, holy shit. Like now hockey's not making me feel good. <laughs> Nothing's making me feel good. I better, I'm going to go find something else. And then that's when I, I went down that road. But I just, I think to myself, like, what would it be like to walk into the dressing room again at 16 years old and in, in the dub, regardless of what team it was. And to be, feel accepted, not just by the players, but by the coaches and people, you know, it was segregation. The vets didn't want to talk to the rookies. So I was scared to like, I was legitimately scared to go to the bathroom on the bus in the back of the bus. We had a rule. Like the vets were like no bathroom after 11 PM. There was one time where I had to pee into a bottle on the bus. It was a rookie in swift current. And I peed into a bottle. It was pitch dark because we lost the game and the lights were shut out because they, they used to do that. You couldn't even turn the light on in the bus. So I had this bottle and I ended up peeing all over myself, you know, and then I can laugh about it now, but it certainly didn't feel good at 16 years old. I'm already homesick. I'm going through this stuff. I'm scared of the vets. I can't even go to the bathroom on the bus. Like, I don't think this stuff is still happening, but I just wonder like, you know, going into a rink, you're talking about 2022, you have players that are still going through this, this yeah. treatment of not knowing if they're playing and everything else. Like if coaches really want to succeed, right, put your players and the people in the organization in the best player place or the best opportunity to, to succeed, right? Like put them, set them up, like be there for them. The communication is so huge and we're getting a lot of great comments um, that I'll get to here in a second. But I want to um, ask you, I know there's, you probably want to hop in here on that, but what was your own experience like walking away from the game, you know, going into school where you just focus on that or, or is this something that you struggle with watching hockey? Do you, did you watch hockey for years and be like, oh, that guy, this guy and wonder and beat yourself up too? 
Yeah. Um, like I, like I was fortunate because I was really working on my mindset a lot. Uh, like I worked with a sports psychologist when I was 16. Because that year I broke my jaw. I was coming back. Like I didn't play well. So then I broke my jaw. And then as I came back, I started to work with a sports psychologist when I went to Pembroke. And, and she was great and very helpful. So I worked with her for a full year. But again, and that was then that year. And she's like, oh yeah, what's next? And we're going to the OHL. And I made the OHL. And like, you know, that was, but then it didn't go well. And then so she helped me during that time to kind of do the best. But it's um, the, and so I had that. We I've done other kind of interesting things. Like one of my other mentors is um, Dr. John Demartini. And he has a collapse thing. And it's about getting perspective around things and, and seeing both sides and the benefits and the drawbacks so that, you know, I'm not, you're not living with resent and things weighing on you. And so I was fortunate to have a lot of really cool tools. I didn't really always pull them all together very well for my own performance, but it was enough to kind of keep my career moving forward. And, and then that's what I now pull on now. But, you know, like I, like I played with some great guys and, um, and great players. And, um, and so like, and, and like you said, I think early on too, it's like, you know, I'd rather be doing what I'm doing now than being playing in the NHL. Like it's, you know, flying, being away from my family all the time. Like, so it, it's, you know, my, my values and, and things shifted. And that was shifting throughout my career. Like, especially after that year, like I went from like, Oh, I'm for sure. I will play in the NHL. Like my, and then it's like zero point year, <laughs> like as a forward kind of had to reevaluate. <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't inherently like, give up on it, but I was like, I had to, like, I had some, you know, you know, um, I had to swallow that pride in a sense and re- like, and it was a big growth thing. Like one of the the low points, I remember getting chirped in my hometown being like, I could have got a point if I played 34 games. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, right. So um, I was like, you go try and do, you think I wasn't trying to put up points? You think about like, oh, I was so rattling. And like, so like, um, was it, I sorry, was- just to jump in, was it, was it almost um, intimidating to go back because of that? Like, were you, were you feeling shame around that after that? Like, oh, what- yeah, like I, like I was quitting, let alone that whole year, let alone after. And like, and it was like, am I just going to quit after all of this? And and what happened? I was like, okay, no, I'm going to fight for it and I'm going to get after it. And like, hey, let's take it in stride. Let's see what happened. Like, let's just come back. Like, and what happened is that my next year in the O, I went up and down. Which is like, why was I going up and down the year before? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, why? like, like so, and that was a great year. We won the, that's where I met Christy Piero, who I do the Beyond the X and O's with. He was our coach. We won the OJ championship, five rounds of playoffs. Okay. I got some points that year, didn't actually score in the O that year. Played only like 17 games in the O or something that year. Played less. But when I played, I played. And I was playing better. And I was having fun. And I was loving playing with the junior A team. And we had a great team. And we bought, like we had a great playoff run and stuff. Like we probably should have went to the RBC. But we kind of like de-injury and kind of choked one game in the the Dudley Hewitt, which is the, the Ontario. Anyways. So, um, but yeah, it was definitely intimidating. But like, you know, again, I had enough of some skills to kind of get by and make make it through it. But yeah, no, it was like, and, and going back to kind of your assert yourself and just the importance of mindset, the psychological part of the game, which is what we're, we're dancing around here or, or touching on in different ways. It just gets so overlooked, right? And it's just like, well, I don't know that as a coach, therefore I'm not going to deal with it. Like what, right? Or parents or the players. And it's like, it is real. It is part of our experience. It is a really important part. And it doesn't inherently have to be that hard either. Right. What's really hard is going to the gym day in and day out and grinding. What's hard is shooting pucks, 
going to skills practices, putting in the work, what like that's hard work. Putting a little bit of time and energy into understanding communication, our mindset, making it a safe environment where people are accept like that is actually not that hard. It's hard because people don't know and it's not common practice, but it's it's taking a bit of time and energy. It's slowing down and reflecting. It's it's not hours. It's not like it doesn't have to be you know, you're putting, you know, two, three hard hours a day training your body and your skills. It's 30 minutes a day training your mind and investing into meditation, into a reset routine or alter egos, like the, the strategies, talking to somebody for 10 minutes or going to a group call or, or doing something like communication or team bonding. Actually, like it's really not that much more time. It's relatively actually small, but the impact is huge. Right? What is the point in having all these great skills and capabilities and then not having the, the trust, the cohesion of the team, the mindset, the, the confidence in your capabilities and the ownership to just go out and play free? Like what's the, what a waste, right, in a lot of ways. And so, and that's why it's growing and becoming more aware. But I think back to your point is players asserting themselves. Coaches need to assert it. It's like, this is important. What are we doing to work on this side? We're doing the video. We do the skills. We do the dry land training. But what are we doing for our mind, for the cohesion of the team, for leadership, for communication? Where are we just allotting time and energy to reflect and work on that? Because it's just like any other skill. It's something you have to work on. If you neglect something, you will get, you will feel the pain. You neglect you as a human. You just focus on helping everyone else, but never focus on what do you want? What are your values? Take care of yourself, work out, you know, eat healthy, get to bed. Then like, you will you will feel the the drain on your mindset and your mental well-being if yeah. you neglect working out a lot of people do that as they get older and then they get obese and they like and they develop unhealthy habits like you neglected it it's like put like schedule time and energy get in a walk like it's little thing eat healthy like taking habits and this is like ownership um is a huge part to it but it's yeah. um it's treating particularly the mindset as a big part, especially when we're looking at sport, right? It's the one that it's getting neglected is probably the right term because it's like, well, I don't know it. Well, I don't understand it. It seems um, intangible. So, and it's like, so therefore I don't know what to do. So therefore I don't do anything. Or it's because we've never, you know, put much attention to it before. So why would I start now? Right? Like that's one like that. Like when you talk about, and we haven't talked about it yet, but um, big organizations, and you know hockey organizations or governing bodies and stuff and it's like well that's the way we've always done it before (laughs) doesn't mean you should keep doing it that way like um, we're not not driving horse and buggies anymore are we (laughs) right so it's it's like oh gosh like and um and and you know what i spent a lot of my time energy is making the mindset making the communication interpersonal skills more tangible i want to see what what is it that we're working on how do we work on it so um, you know, I, I think you, you did a good point there kind of trying to bring up like, like if we could assert ourselves more and it's, we, uh, and I think it's coming, but it's, you know, like this shift sometimes slow and in some places maybe faster than others, but yeah, I, I want to get into a little bit more about your program, but before we do that, and then you can tell people a little bit more about it and, and where mm-hmm. we can find it. Um, what is the, the overall response with parents? Like when you, when you bring this to parents, um, because you know, I talk to parents and they think more and more and more on the ice, we're going to do power skating, we're going to do skills. And just let me touch on the skills quickly. There's way too many. And Adam Oates said it best. There's get the toys off the ice. All these kids are skating around with their heads down. These, these, 
these things aren't even moving. Like when I, when I didn't move around a guy, he was moving too. He's not mm -hmm. stationary on the mm -hmm. ice, right? He's not a chair. If yeah. it was, if it was just things on the ice, everyone would score, you know, 50 goals a game or have chances. Like, I think there's something to be said about that, but what is the response uh, to, to parents when you bring this to them or it's brought to their attention, are they really keening in on this and seeing how much value I know that it's not nearly where it needs to be, but how are, how has it been for you? Um, and, and how do you think we, uh, make people understand this a lot more because I lived it, man. My mind's, it was horrible. I had all the tools and the skills to, to play at the next level. I'm sure of it, but my mind, absolutely not. Absolutely not. It killed me. Yeah. And, um, yeah, in a lot of ways, well, right. A lot of parents get it and they see it and they see the importance and the need. Um, but there's still some lingering old school thinking again with, with other parents. And so it's like, when we go to a team, it's like, how well is it embraced by the parents? It's often generally pretty well embraced. Like, um, parents generally get it. Um, but, and then again, there's a difference between getting it and then helping apply it and supporting it. So like one of the things we do do and when players come into our programs and stuff is we have some videos and like summaries, like how can you support it? Cause like I talk to coaches being a problem for athletes, parents are often a problem. Oh yeah. Just, just as unintentionally, I'll use that word. Like it is unintentional. Like no parents, like I want to screw up my kid's mental game. Like, no <laughs> said no one ever. Um, hopefully not anyways, but the, so, and it's same with a coach. They're like, Oh, I, I want to get in my player's head, but they do. And so it's cause they're not investing and in thinking about, and they don't understand the mindset um, as well as they could and know how to support the player's mindset and what they're going through. So, um, but yeah, but generally like I, like one of the, the two ways I would answer that one uh, parents that really get it, they understand the importance of life skills. What I teach are life skills. Yeah. It's, this doesn't just apply to sport. Yeah. I just had a medical doctor reach out. She, we're going to do a program because she's like, she's getting her own head about some stuff. Like I do executive co like this is, doesn't just apply to this. And it's like, often parents will say like, oh, they're not handling the pressure well. They're, you know, obsessing and getting tense and worried all the time and worrying about what other people think. And they're beating themselves up. And it's like, if that carries forward after sport, that's not good. Like that's going to hinder them as yeah, a team in other areas of their life and their relationships. And so they're like, and like, and then we can use sport as a way to work on that. And I do, we will, we don't usually start, but we'll start talking about like, Hey, how are you showing up in school? We do, how do you deal with your tough situations at school? Like when the class you like the least math class, Oh, I hate math. Stupid. <laughs> well, like, like how you're showing up there. Then where are you showing like that in sport? Oh, when we do bags. Oh, it's stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, the same narrative. Uh, and, uh, right. So it's like, so we'll start with the sport, but then I was like, I'll tackle this. And then it could actually helps back through sport. So it can cross over if you're intentional with it. It does not mm -hmm. apparently going to do that, but it's, they see the opportunity to heighten the standards of their mind and work on it through sport. So that's generally what like the parents that really get it. They're like, yeah, this is like, it's not about my kid going to show. Like we'll get like a 14, a 17 year old that show up. And it's like, yeah, hopefully this helps them progress their career, but it's also going to be good if they don't <laughs> like and it can benefit them in other areas and it also makes sport fun sport yeah. is meant to be fun and if you're not in the right mindset it is stressful and how many 10 year olds 13 year olds 17 year olds are no longer having like let alone 20 year olds and 25 year olds and pro guys that are not having and girls not having fun and they're not enjoying the journey like it's like 
this is sport. It's inherently meant to be a game that's enjoyable and that pushes you to grow and a challenge and work with others. These intrinsic drivers are built right into it. But by like, we just lose sight of that so much. So again, one of the benefits and with the parents that get, it's like, yeah, I just want my kid to enjoy it and get back to that. They, and they can see how that's actually going to further and help with the results. Um, and again, a life skill, but the, so the last thing that I would say to that in terms of like getting people to buy in and understand is like, it's like, it's like almost an insurance policy or another type of investment. Like what is the point in spending so much time and energy working on your skills? And I agree, don't like just skating around pylons and stationary things all day. Um, there's gotta be progressions and stuff, but you spend so much time, money, energy on that, on, on the physical side. And, but then you're not working on the mindset as well. And so it's like, and, and the, which one carries forward the most after anyways, it's, it's, it's the mind and, and, and you work on, and if you're in the right mindset at practice, it helps. Yeah. They're in the right mindset. They don't deal with the adversity of challenge well, or they don't embrace the challenges um, or they're losing their confidence because they don't understand what it means. And they're focused too much on like, Oh, my performance instead of what am I actually capable of? And so um, that it's just framing. It's just like, this is just a really important piece. And um, to, to the whole person, it's the development of the whole person. And so it's, and, and, and again, it doesn't mean they have to come in and do programs with us one-on-one. And cause some of our programs, they're not inherently super cheap by any means yeah. depending on the, on the coach, but it's, and we have some group stuff that we've done and we'll, we'll add more that keep it low ticket, but it's, um, it's integrated to get your coaches involved and educate yourself, invest, understand, don't just be like, oh yeah, that stuff doesn't matter that much. Oh, I'll figure it out on my own. And like, without, like no, no, like lean, like just like with anything else, you want to get better at nutrition, go see a nutritionist, read and study about what to put in my body. And like, you get, you get better at it. You want to get better at your, you know, dry land training, have the right functional movement patterns, go see somebody that's really good at that and knows that to go learn from them. Whether it's like you want to, uh, get better skills, go to the right skills coaches that, you know, have proven results and know what they're doing and like, and lean on them, whether you have to do all the programs or you get like, so fault, like there's all kinds of just, you want to learn and grow in anything yeah. like then go out there and find places to learn and grow and put the energy into it. And so, um, and, and obviously if you want to go the fastest you get interactive one-on-one you get to get the coaching. So. Um, yeah, that was long winded. Like I said, I, I, I'll run off sometimes, but I love it, dude. I love it. Cause I do the, uh, I do the same thing and, uh, and it's nice to, to not have to do all the talking all the time. So, um, I'm just gonna, let me see if I can, what it's showing there. This is uh Cass's, uh, Instagram page. If you're watching, make sure you go, you go follow it. And you know, he's always posting unbelievable stuff on there. Do you have another page that they can get directed to as well on Instagram or, or is this the one uh, I'll throw up the website as well, Cass. Um, how do yeah. people, if people want to get involved, I mean, we're living in a virtual age now, where are you based out of? And, and if, what if somebody's in, you know, my hometown of Port Coquitlam and they want to work with Dr. Cassidy press and what does that look like for people? Yeah. Well, most like because of the pandemic, everyone's got real used to be on zoom. I was on zoom before, um, because you know, we'd get people out of town. I'm from new, I live in new market. So not too far from Muskoka now mm-hmm. and just North of Toronto, but, uh, I've got people I zoom with all over North America, uh, even in, in Europe. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it's yeah, th- like the best way to kind of get started is, you know, go to our website, you fill out like the book now and they get on a, uh, we, sh- we set them up with a free 30 minute intro. And so 
it's because it's it's like, okay, well, what is, how is it going to benefit you? We go through their mindset assessment. They go like, okay, here's the options. Here's what I recommend. And, um, and so that, that's kind of the best way to kind of get started. And if they want to do the one-on-one kind of programs. And so I have pretty limited availability right now. I, I generally only take on one or two new people a month, you know, give or take depending on the month. But um, it's, uh, I have other, we have a bunch of other coaches that use the same system we oversee. Um, and so, and that also helps from a pricing standpoint that it's, you know, it makes it more affordable. And then we have other stuff. Like if, if you get added onto our email list, um, we'll have other like group calls and stuff and like webinars we'll do. And there's other ways to do that or, or, you know, bring us out to do a webinar for your team and a workshop series with the team and do group stuff. Um, but generally people, if they want to get the fastest benefits, the quickest, um, like one-on-one is just, you get that personalized. It's like, yeah, we help pinpoint the blind spots. We help then hold, hold them accountable. We nudge them and guide them along. Right. Like one of the things, you know, cause I'm not a clinical therapist or psychologist where it's like, I don't diagnose and treat mental illness. Right. So we, um, but we're coaches and like, we often do our sessions in 30 minutes or less because it's like, let's get to the point. What are you working on? Like we help them see their blind spots and guide them. And then and help hold them accountable. But the athlete, the people have to do the work. Yes. This is not just, let's just talk about it. <laughs> no, no. Well, like there's some talking, it's, 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 but like we have strategies. We have, we got to do this exercise. We got to flush it out. They have to be open and engaging. Then you got like homework. I'll put in quotes here. Like there's stuff to do after. It's not like just show up, listen to me talk for 30 minutes. And then, well, now I'm good. Now my mindset's in the right place. And I don't have to keep thinking about it, working on it without. That's why it's, it's like, 30, 10, 30 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day of like reflecting, setting your intentions, doing a reset routine, like little things that don't take a lot of time and energy that have a massive uh, ripple effect, compound effect, and uh, and becomes part of just self-care, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is your, your mental game, your mental prep. So um, it's that that is a big part of it. And um, but yeah, as, as I said, we get started, we often do a free intro because it's like, oh, do you like your coach? Do you get what it's like? Is it going to fit for you? And then once you start a program and doing sessions, you're not, no one's locked in. Like we often get people pretty quick transformations and growth very quickly, but that's not like, good luck. See you later. And they go back to square one. Then there's like follow up and, and continue to refinement. Um, but the, but the point that I'm getting at out of that is um, that they could stop. Like it's, like, it's just like, yeah. we, like we were really pride ourselves in a way on results. Right. And so it's like, we're not delivering. Then it's like, what's like, what are we doing wrong? <laughs> so, um, like, we're not good at like if, um, guiding and teaching and, uh, and, and don't have the right strategies in place, but we are. So that's why, <laughs> that's why we're still in business and, and continue to grow. But um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to dive into anything else on that. But do you have any other main thoughts, questions on? All this has been really fun so far. So. Yeah, I think we'll we'll probably have to do a part two, three, four, five, all the way <laughs> probably to ten. Who knows, Cass? I really, um, you know, I really believe uh, in you and what you're doing over there. Um, I like I could cry over it. Like I'm getting tears in my eyes because I know, as you know, and a, and a lot of people we know, um, you know, went through a lot um, and and often felt like we were had to do it on our own and and couldn't talk about this stuff and that there was no other way to do it uh, or to deal with these things. Um, you know, I, I love the fact that you alluded to you got to do the work like the people got to do the work. If you want to get if you want to get better at something, you want to get good at something, you got to put in the work. Um, you know, we talk, I, you know, I know you're not the clinical, you can, you're not diagnosing people with mental health issues. But uh, when I talk to people and 
right? Medications, right? There's all sorts of different forms of medications. One might work for one, one might not work for the other. But I always am reminding people that you can't, you know, you can't just take a pill like and expect that that's just going to fix everything. Certainly there's, it's going to help just like talking to you is going to help because like, there is going to be some benefit there, but there's the onus lies on that individual now to change their habits, change their thinking, change even their friends, sometimes in, in many ways, um, everything like I had to do, but um, yeah, man, I, I've really, uh, like I said, believe so strongly in, in what you're doing and you're going to, you're just, you're pretty new, right. To the game. You're only been doing it a few years. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see where, where you're at it, you know, in 25, 30 years and the impact that you've made, um, not just in, in the lives of individuals or teams, but in the entire culture of hockey. And, uh, it's going to take a lot more people like you, uh, maybe not with all the schooling cause that takes forever. And I talked to you about it. Cause when we first talked Cass, yeah. I said, I'm like, man, like you have the lived experience and the schooling. And I was like, ah, that's something that I want to do. And we got into it and you kind of talked about it before about the education and your thoughts and what you learned. But yeah. I'll tell you, buddy, um, you know, if there's anything that I can do to support what you're doing, I would really like to chat with you more about puck support and, and see how, you know, you can be intertwined in, into this and your services. And yes, it's a charity, but our charity is still going to have to pay you know, people to come in and do different things and, 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 and provide education and support. And uh, I'm not the chair of the board, so maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but I'm sure Stuart Smith is, is watching now or watching after and probably call me and be like, that guy was incredible. I already know, um, you know, whether that happens or not, Cass, I, I, man, I support you 100% and I'm, I'm proud of you, man. Like, you know, it's not everyone's doing this and yes, there's a business aspect to it and everything else. And I understand that, but you could have went off and, and done whatever you wanted to, right? Like selfishly, right. Mm -hmm. and, and thinking about self all the time. Uh, but you've really turned your passion to hockey and your own experience into, into a passion for making a, a shift in the culture. And, and maybe it's not about getting a guy to the NHL, but it's about getting the guy just to, to develop into a, or, or a young lady uh, into the person that now becomes a success after hockey or after sport and doesn't have to go down the path like someone like me or so many others, as, as you see behind me here, that are no longer with us. Um, you know, so kudos to you, buddy, your parents and everyone. Um, your family must be extremely proud of you. Um, the sky's the limit, brother. The sky's the limit for you, man. I can't wait to sit here and, and watch your journey, hopefully in some aspects, be part of it. Uh, but keep it up, man. You're making a world of difference. And like I said, it's only just the beginning. Yeah, oh, I really appreciate that, Brady. And uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, we'll, we'll see where all this goes. And I think um, uh, I, you know, thank you for the opportunity to share. And, and you know, I've, I'm impressed with your story, right? Like, you know, the courage, you know, like, you know, I think you're a role model and I'm sure you hear that, but like, like to do what you're doing now to overcome the challenges and the struggle that you went through, like that is, you know, that's very meaningful for me to know and hear and be a part of it with you. So for sure, I think there's lots of good stuff we can, we can work together on and, um, and get, uh, uh, and keep having that impact because, you know, I think sport needs it. It's a, it's a need, it's a void that needs to be filled. And, um, and that's what drives me. Like if I, I say this, if I just want to make a lot of money, I would have went in the stock market and <laughs> going to financials and like, if, like, no, I want to choose a career that is, there's meaning, um, in it. And, uh, and so that, that's what drives me. So I think we have that alignment and I think, uh, um, 
you know, it's, it's a pleasure to be a part of this. So. Yeah, man, it's uh, it, this was a great conversation. I can't wait to do it again. And hopefully one day in the, in the future, maybe me and Dan Spence can come down and grab a coffee or something with you. I know that you know him a little bit, do you? Yeah, yeah. No, he was one of like my first clients in a way, um, helped him because we played against each other. He was playing at NIP, a Nipissing University in North Bay while I was playing at York and U of T. And we started training in the summers together. And he's like, well, he's like, my mental game. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, I got stuff for that. I'm, I'm in school. Like, and got him going. And then he went over to Finland and stuff, helped him. He started playing really well, got him doing the, the strategy. So he was like one of my first, um, you know, kind of regular clients while even I was still in school. So um, the, uh, I don't know, it's great to see some of the, the, the comments in here. I'm just looking at that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what? Let me, before I let you go, you got a couple minutes. I'll, there's a few here. Yeah, I no, I've got time. Yeah. I'll get to you. I, I thought you had, you know, you're probably busier than I am, dude. Um, Graham, Graham Bonner, who was up here uh, yesterday, uh, played in the OHL. This guy buried like 66 times one year in the O, drafted by Montreal. 25 plus years clean and sober for Graham Bonner, coming up on 26. He's an incredible guy, works at a treatment center. He's been giving back service. Uh, just an incredible dude. It says, refreshing to hear, gentlemen. Got to meet him yesterday for the first time. We was standing right here. It was kind of cool. Um, Rick Sterling, uh, who's going to be uh, helping me a lot with, with puck support. He's watching. He says, changing the culture, that's the key. Uh, Matthew Meanser, he's actually been on the show all the way down there from Ushuaia, Argentina, believe it or not. It says, Castley, you're absolutely correct. Part of why I left to coach in South America. The coaches are so under pressure to be this way as well. Parents want that for their kids as they feel it's the best way to get to the next level is what he's trying to say. And it, it, it's so much pressure on, on parents, coaches, players. Uh, Dean Smeal, my good buddy. Uh, we have an inside joke, top bunk. It means just you're like a, a top bunk dude because I got took a picture on a top of a bunk bed one day and sent it to him. Now everyone knows our joke, but it's uh, <laughs> an inside joke. But he's also the brother of Stan Smeal uh, from the Vancouver Canucks organization. He's watching. He says, this is a great podcast. I'm get, definitely going to share this with my coaching staff. He owns a junior B team out in St. Paul, Alberta. Um, Brody Kerbison watching from Barrie, Ontario says, Love the conversation. The amount of neglect to mindset in sports is insane. Great job, Cassidy, on your schooling and career in hockey. Love the direction you're taking mindset with sports. Uh, Brody was a member of Team Puck Support in the tournament that we just played. Um, he wore the jersey of the late Todd Ewan right here. Um, we all wore jerseys of a hockey player that had passed away from suicide or overdose. It was a, it was a special, special weekend. Thanks, Brody, for being a part of it and everybody uh, for being a part of it. Uh, my friend Ashley uh, down. Ashley, you, if you're listening, you got to hop in here. I don't know if you're currently in Kentucky or if you've, you're, you've crossed over the, the river to be at work. She's a, a retired uh, college goalie, uh, now veterinarian, and, and her and I have now been speaking quite a bit. She says, great conversation today. Dean Smeal says, followed, and I absolutely going to look more into your program, Cass. And the last one I'll get to for today says, Luke B says, really enjoying the conversation. Much of what Cassidy has been saying hits home. Keep up the great work and educating people. So um, I'm going to make sure that uh, all the plugs, if you're listening and you haven't been able to see anything that's going on, I'll make sure to have all the links for all Cassidy's uh, social media pages, his business page, um, anything that I can find uh, directly linked to him will be in the description. So if you're listening to this in audio and you're looking for any of it, just scroll down. It'll be there. It's a clickable link. Um, and I will also have the links uh, in the YouTube description um, after this show as well. So um, Cass, man, thank you so much. Uh, 
um, for being here and for all that you do. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to, to connecting further and uh, keep up the great work, my friend. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brady. We'll talk soon, buddy. Ciao. All right, guys, that is uh, Dr. Cassie Preston. That was uh, one of the, I hate to say this because it's no disrespect to my guests, but for me, right, that was one that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. And I, I love them all. There's not been one show where it's like, oh, that was a crap show or whatever. But on a purely selfish standpoint, that was a very, very important conversation for me, um, you know, and for so many reasons. Um, thank you, Cass. That was incredible. I can't wait to hear uh, the feedback. I know we, we went a little bit earlier. I'm going to get back to doing shows at nighttime, guys. Uh, a lot of people are at work and can't watch live during the day. I understand that. We're going to get back to doing some shows during the nighttime uh, so people can watch live and join the conversation. Uh, we had quite a few people watching today, uh, but most people still listening on audio. Um, thank you. I don't forget about you just because we're doing a live show. To all my avid listeners, if you're driving to work, if you're at work, if you're at the gym, I know. <sighs> just take a breath. <laughs> I've had multiple people um, message me and say that, you know, they're listening to my, this podcast on the ODR and it helps their mental health and it helps this. And, you know, so now we have, I have, we have young hockey players, young people listening to this show, um, and, and letting us know that it's, it's helped them. And, you know, I don't take the credit for that. It's people like Dr. Cassidy Preston that comes on this show and shares their experience and their knowledge, um, so openly, um, you know, at, you know, free of charge, right? Um, this is time. Time is valuable. I certainly value people's time, uh, my own time nowadays. Uh, and you know, it was an, it's an hour uh, and 15 minutes of his life that essentially is gone to history, and he shared it uh, with with you and I and and everybody uh, out there. So thank you to Cass. Thank you to all the people that have come on the show and supported it in any way. Because at the end of the day, this is what keeps me going. This is what keeps me accountable uh, in my own life. I have a long ways to go. A long ways to go. Uh, you know, talking with Cass today just reminded me, you know, my mindset is nowhere near where it needs to be. I'm not taking care of myself nowhere near to where I need to be. And, um, you know, I've been grinding pretty hard these last two years because I had to, uh, but I've, you know, kind of forgotten about myself a little bit. And so, you know, it was a really nice self-reflection for myself. And I hope that you guys watching or listening, more importantly, maybe got something out of it as well. And I know you did. Um, but I need to, to take some time and do some self-reflection um, and get back to, to taking care of me so that I can be the best for others, my family members, my friends, and the community of Puck Support and, and all those who follow the show and, and look for for people like myself and, and the guests that come on the show to, to provide a little bit of inspiration and oftentimes hope. And uh, hope is a very, very powerful thing. Uh, at least it has been for me. Uh, I'm going to get to one ad from our great friends over at Pride Tape. Uh, I just had a conversation with uh, Dean from Pride Tape. I talked to Jeff over there. They're incredible. We can all do more. Hockey is for everyone. And I want to remind people that Pride Tape, I have it on my stick. And I had this conversation with, I don't have my stick here, but I had this conversation with the, the owners of Pride Tape because some kids that I know are getting bullied because they're just putting it on their stick. And really, you know, they're just doing it to show inclusion. And we had a great conversation about Pride Tape that it has evolved into so much more than just being a, a symbol for the LGBTQ community. It's now evolved into 
hockey is for everyone and inclusion and and not bullying and just sticking up for one another and being there for one another so it's about so much more uh, than just the lgbtq community but that's certainly where it started so we'll hear from our friends at pride tape i'll be back to wrap this up i won't take too much more of your guys's time hockey to hell and back is brought to you by pride tape pride tape is a badge of support from teammates coaches parents and pros to young lgbtq players it shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love and that we're all on the same team. Show your support for teammates, coaches, and fans in the LGBTQ community by wrapping your stick with Pride Tape. Every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond. Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. For more information, you can send an email to Aubrey at PrideTape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, Aubrey at PrideTape.com. You can find PrideTape on Facebook.com slash PrideTape, on Twitter at PrideTape, and at PrideTape on Instagram. PrideTape thanks all of you for being champions for change. Thank you to the great people at PrideTape. If I didn't lose the mail key... I'd have like two big cases of it right now because it's sitting in the mailbox, but I lost the, the, the key along with a couple other things that are in there. But we're going to be giving all sorts of pride tape away. Um, you know what? I think maybe we'll give away something today. I got some Howie's hockey tape over there and uh, had a great conversation with pride tape about Howie's um, and, and how they you know kind of intermingle. And obviously pride tape is is a specialty item. Um, so I, I wanted to make sure that it was okay that I was kind of working with both. And uh, that seems to be the case. So I love it when people work together. Give me one second. I'm actually going to just peek in this box. What do we got in here? I will give away this Howie's and i'm going to give away a set of the laces that we used so if you didn't see what we were doing last weekend uh up here in muskoka the four on four on the pond tournament we assembled a team and we all skated uh for our angels all those you, you see behind behind me uh, many of them aren't on the wall um these hockey players have lost their lives to suicide or overdose and uh we all had laces. Shout out Howie's hockey tape. They supplied us with the laces and tape and all sorts of stuff. They don't come like this. I pre-packaged them like this, but they sent us the green for mental health and the purple for, for overdose awareness. So in our left skate, we had the purple lace. And in the right skate, we had the green lace, the amazing people at Howie's hockey tape. Thank you so much. So I'm going to give away a set of these laces and I'm going to give away a Howie's hat and a roll of white tape that's got my hair stuck to it and some clear tape. If you can tell me what team in the comments right now, actually, let's have some fun with it. Let's have some fun with it. Maybe I'll open the phone lines and let somebody call in if anybody wants to call in next time, maybe next time in the comments, which team was Cassidy Preston 
drafted to in the Ontario Hockey League. First one to drop it in the comment section that I see, you're going to go home with a, a Howie's prize pack, courtesy of Howie's Hockey Tape. While we're waiting for that, I would like to read this to you guys. I'm really excited. Uh, it was It's the Sober Buddy app. If you're in recovery, uh, if you know somebody in recovery, turn them on to this app, Sober Buddy. Shout out Brody, Brody Kerbison. He won the contest. He's supposed to be coming up here this afternoon too, but I have some stuff going on. Um, Sober Buddy. Hey guys, I want to talk to you about Sober Buddy since it's super available to you. If you need some help getting sober, Sober Buddy is all about providing a shame and judgment-free place for anyone who wants to get sober. It's easy to get started on your sober journey because you don't have to worry about what other people think. You can just start explaining sobriety, exploring sobriety privately on your phone and decide on your own terms when you want to let other people know. I love the Sober Buddy app because it's not only gives you the challenges that help get you sober, it helps you think differently about your life. It has a sober tracker down to the second, daily check-ins that give you advice based on your mood, cute motivational memes, and helpful tips too. Currently over 60,000 people are using Sober Buddy, helping them get sober and remain sober. And they have been featured in over 70 news story. The Sober Buddy app is available in both the iTunes and Google Play stores, or you can check out their website at yoursoberbuddy.com. I'm going to have all the links for this moving forward. Going to get a nice promo done. Uh, make sure the pictures are up there. But thank you uh, to Brad from Sober Motivation, everybody from Sober Buddy for believing um, in what we're doing here. Um, this is the kind of stuff, you know, yes, it's an app. This is the kind of stuff that saves lives. Not everybody is going to come on here like I did and come out the gates and be like, hey, this is where I'm at. This is what I've done. There's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame that goes into addiction and, and struggling. And I know because I lived it for many years. Um, having an app like this could have been the difference. And I, and I truly believe that. Uh, I have the app on my phone. I'm going to be posting pictures where my clean date is and all that stuff. We're going to have the co-founder, um, one of the founders of the app, Sober Buddy, join the show um, in the near future as well. But I really also want to plug Sober Motivation. If you're in recovery, I'm sure you follow them on Instagram already. They have hundreds of thousands of followers. Sober is cool on Facebook. It's the same guy, my guy, Brad. Um, thank you, Brad, for, for supporting me, supporting the show, uh, for, you know, for sharing my story on your Instagram with hundreds of thousands of followers. Uh, I appreciate that. And I appreciate the chance to, to be a part of, of sober buddy and to try to get the words out, the word out, um, sober buddy guys, check it out. If you're listening, the links are in the bio to wherever you're listening to. It's a clickable link too. So super easy. If you're struggling, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? Um, there's a free version. There's also a version that's $9.99 a month. And listen, I pay for apps all the time, all the time. I got apps I don't even use I'm paying for on my phone that I can't even afford. But 
I'll tell you what I can't afford. I can afford the $9.99 a month for Sober Buddy. And I'm not saying this. I'm not just saying this. I'm not being paid to say this, by the way. And that's the honest to God's truth. But something like this can save a life, can help keep you accountable. What is the price of your recovery? $9.99 a month? I, you know, like I talked to Brad about it the other day. Brad said, I used to spend a hundred bucks before breakfast. Me too. Me too. So if you're an addiction, download the Sober Buddy app. You're going to hear lots about it uh, moving forward. I'm so excited uh, to be partnered with them and um, doing stuff with them moving forward. Dean Smeal says, St. Paul Junior Canadians can use some Howie stuff. I got you covered. We're, we'll, we'll get you fixed up there, Dino. Brody's the guy. Congratulations, Brody. Anyways, if I don't shut up, I'll never shut up. Really grateful that you guys were here. Today's an emotional day for me. I'm sorry. Um, I'm good, though. Like, I'm good. Uh, I would tell you guys if I wasn't good. I just, I wear my heart on my sleeve and... Um, just really grateful to be in the position that I'm in and um, the support, the love. Again, I go back to the word hope. I just have so much hope. And when I say that, I don't mean for me. I just mean for, for people because I know people. I know there's people watching right now, listening right now who are hurting themselves. And I just, I, I have hope. I have hope. There's so much more that I want to talk about. I think maybe I'm going to have to do a podcast on my own to try to just update everybody with kind of what's going on with puck support what's going on with the rollerblade um all that stuff um so this is the first time that i've officially announced that the, the rollerblade across canada has been canceled temporarily um due to covid now we were trying to plan out events and different things and it takes time to align all this stuff to make sure that we're doing it the right way which we were doing but COVID just kept hammering us, hammering us like it did everybody and shut everything down with so much uncertainty that we just decided about a month ago, two months ago, that it's better left to just focus on building puck support this year, this summer, um, and then readdress that next spring. So hopefully one year, would, and it will be the 25th anniversary since Sheldon Kennedy did it as well. So it is my greatest hope that it's still going to happen. Like I, I'm going to do everything in my power to make it happen, but it's not going to be this year. I'm really disappointed. I, you know, I've, I'm not feeling good about it, to be honest with you, because I really wanted to get out there. I wanted to connect with people. I wanted to meet people. I wanted other people to meet each other from their communities that they've never met that, you know, that's what it was all about to me was getting out there and, and lifting people up and other people, you know, encouraging other people in the communities to rally around their friends, their neighbors, people they don't know, but they're living in that town. Maybe they don't know where their resources are. They're scared to reach out for help. But now all of a sudden that door is open. And, and so I regretfully tell you guys that the rollerblade has been canceled. Um, but I hope to, that it sparks up next spring. Um, Thank you to Doug Eaton watching. I think he's a first time watcher. If you're not, I apologize, Doug. I haven't seen you in the comments before, but thank you for being here. Thank you for to everyone once again for watching. 
This show was dedicated uh, to Donna Reed. Um, I'm going to miss you dearly, Donna. You taught me a lot in the two years that I was fortunate enough to get to know you. Your fearless warrior mentality, take no bullshit mentality, stand up for yourself mentality. You were a presence. You were a force to be reckoned with. You're going to be deeply missed. And I love you so much. And I know Taylor and her family and everybody feels the exact same way. Um, lastly, shout out to my family. Certainly my kids, Brooklyn and Brody. I miss you guys dearly. If you ever hear or see this, there's a time you want to reach out to me. Here I am. I love you. I miss you guys dearly. And I'm sorry. That's it. We'll be back, I believe, next Tuesday, guys, with the founder of Comeback Snacks, Emily. Uh, she turned her, her troubles into success. Uh, right out of jail, she became an entrepreneur and now has a very successful business. It's an inspiring story, unrelated to hockey. But as you know, this isn't all about hockey. This is about people, hope, perseverance. That's what it's all about. Please subscribe, press that like, turn on the notifications. Hopefully we'll see you Tuesday. But until then, have a great day if you so choose. I want the real stuff, everybody listen up Cause I'll only say it once, I'm gonna show you all the path If you want it bad, I'm gonna show you every side Yeah, how you can get it back, yeah, cause I ain't never done I'll be number one, working hella hard until I get just what I want Yeah, rise just like the sun, yeah, fatal like a gun Shooter's gonna shoot and I'm gonna shoot until I fall yeah. Always do it alone, so I gotta get through it And the only thing I know is to love what I'm doing Never give up, never slow till I finally prove it. Never listen to the nose, I just wanna keep moving. Yeah, I put out all the heart, it's my only medicine. Yeah, everything I do, I'm just being genuine. Yeah, I'm sick of being screwed, feel my own adrenaline. Yeah, I do just what I do, and I hope you let me in, let me in. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm stable, oh yeah, no label, oh yeah, you know me, I am.